I will say that it gave me the power. It taught me how to get the power to get through the crappiest experiences. <laughs> <laughs> You're really selling it. <laughs> no, I don't mean that in like, oh my goodness, I, my experiences were bad because they weren't. I will say the people I got to work with and under were amazing individuals. But I do think that, you know, this is not for someone who is of weak character or weak heart. Mm. You know, you need to have a strong character and a heart to it because it's not easy. I'm Marisol Morales. I'm Andrew Seligson. And I'm Emily Shields. And this is the Compact Nation podcast. How's everybody doing today? Pretty good. I'm feeling good. Yeah. Did we have a nice day of turkey? Or no turkey however, in my a, house. A, a turkeyless day of turkey. Turkeyless day. day of turkey. Ooh. But it was lovely, lovely humans, lovely salmon, lovely nice. day. Okay. Good. I also salmon. had a turkeyless Thanksgiving. I had the first turkey I've ever had that was actually good. What, so what made it good? Was I there don't, a my, technique? My brother-in-law. I think I literally think he injected butter into it somehow. <laughs> he probably did. There are many recipes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing I don't, exactly I don't know exactly how that works, but it was yeah. incredible. Often a syringe. I like to smoke a turkey. That is my preferred method. And we weren't at our place, so I didn't do that. But now I'm thinking I might do that just for some other occasion. For fun. Yeah. My I favorite like is my that. mom makes turkey tetrazzini with the leftovers. And that is my actual favorite part of Thanksgiving. Yeah. What is that? It's like a turkey turkey with pasta and green olives and peppers and some other stuff. And I just think it's yum. It's a food that I first encountered in the college dining hall in a way that did not make it that appetizing. And then <laughs> later discovered that people actually make really good versions of it. But for years, I associated it with suffering and... Suffering. Mostly yeah. suffering. <laughs> I, I made a ham. I cooked for, for Thanksgiving. Uh, but I usually like to make lechon, which is like roasted uh, pork. And my sister, I don't know, they, they wanted like ham this year. So I will never do that again. It was good, but I like my lechon. Uh, so that's what it's going to be. Lechon, lechon, lechon. Yeah. Who cares what your sister wants? She's not cooking. I don't, want, I don't know why I picked it to turn. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's, well, that was the thing. It was like we were in Martina's brother's house. He doesn't eat meat, and so salmon was the thing we did. That made total sense to me. Like, you yeah. get to choose when it's your place. So mm-hmm. don't don't be pushed off. Yeah. Sure do. So what do we got? What, what, should, what do we need to talk about in the compact nation of late? I know we've got some awards coming up. We do. I'm very excited about those impact awards. Yeah, Andrew, Andrew you want to talk about that? What, what are the impact awards? What's new? Yeah, I'm very excited to share some information about our awards. So, for the first time, Campus Compact will be holding an awards event, our impact awards, as part of our biennial events, along with our conference and Summit of Presidents in Seattle. And we have some old awards and some new awards that we're giving. So for a long time, we've given the Ehrlich Award. We're now partnering in giving the Linton Award. Those are faculty awards, and those awards will be given at this event. But we also have some new awards. The first one is the Nadine Cruz Award for Community Engagement Professionals. So Nadine, as many of you know, was a leader of HECUA and the Haas Center at Stanford University, a researcher, an author, and just a hugely influential contributor to our field. So we're very excited to honor her with the award. That's the Community Engagement Professional Award. And then we have two institutional awards, a two-year award named for Eduardo Padron, the recently retired president of Miami-Dade College, served on our board, received the Presidential Freedom Award from President Obama, and is a very important leader in the movement for access and opportunity in higher education, as well as community engagement. 
So the two-year award named for Eduardo Padron, and then a four-year institutional award named for Richard Grassi. Richard recently retired as president at Wagner College. He also served as the chair of the Campus Compact Board and was a leader in a number of other national organizations and is really a great exemplar of the leader of an engaged campus and somebody who made a huge impact on the Wagner campus and in Staten Island, where where Wagner is located. Uh, So we're excited about those new awards for all three. The applications, the nominations are open. The deadline is January 7th. So make sure to nominate somebody, folks. Yeah, get get those nominations in. In academic time, that's like the blink of an eye because we all disappear uh, right around the holiday. Uh, But there's definitely still time to do it. We tried to create um, application processes that would not be crazily cumbersome. So this is not the kind of thing where you have to set aside a month to put this together, but you do need a little bit of time. So now would be a great time to get on it. You can find more information at compact.org slash impact hyphen awards compact.org slash impact hyphen awards. Or if you Google campus compact impact awards, I bet that'll work too. And, uh, we encourage you to do that. So that's one thing. Should I just r- roll through a couple other uh, yeah, announcements? Do it. All right. So I also wanted to mention um, Campus Compact, is, as some of you may know, is a publisher of books. We have a variety of offerings and, and long have. So I encourage you to check those out. Again, if you Google like Campus Compact Bookstore, uh, there's a page on the Stylist site who's a partner with us in offering those books, and you can find them there. We recently brought out a book uh, edited by uh, or authored by Marshall Welch and Star Plaxton Moore called The Craft of Community-Engaged Teaching and Learning, a Guide for Faculty Development. And since uh, many of the folks in our world, listening, etc., are people who are in one way or another involved in faculty development. I thought it was worth mentioning, so you can check that out. Again, if you Google the title, it'll take you there, et cetera. The Craft of Community-Engaged Teaching and Learning, a Guide for Faculty Development by Marshall Welch and Star Plaxton Moore. Um, And then the last thing I wanted to mention is more of a a kind of public issue, which is uh, many of you are probably aware that we are in the midst of a reauthorization process for the Higher Education Act. It's actually been a kind of, like most things in Congress, a stop-start, somewhat dysfunctional legislative process. But one provision in the Higher Education Act creates the community service set-aside in federal work study. So for those who are not familiar, in the federal law that establishes federal work study, it says 7% of the positions uh, at every campus have to go toward community-facing work, and it encourages there to be a focus on uh, early childhood literacy and numeracy, uh, so work study positions that are involved with tutoring students, et cetera. And it also subsidizes those positions at a higher rate than ordinary work study positions. And you know that's been an important tool to get campuses thinking about how to ensure that that kind of opportunity for community service is part of their overall uh, offerings in federal work study. It's an important equity provision because it means students who are not in a position to volunteer have a way to be engaged with their communities through, uh, through paid work, through federal work study. And it also is intended, and I think it really serves this purpose, to help create a pathway toward careers in public interest work and education and other settings for students, again, from diverse backgrounds, including students uh, for whom financial means might be a barrier to doing that kind of work if it's not compensated. So right now, that provision is threatened in the reauthorization process. There was a bill passed out of committee in the House that removed the community service set aside from federal work study, and it's now moving to the full House for consideration. And I think what I would encourage, you know, if you, we, Campus Compact sent out a message to presidents encouraging them to sign on to a letter uh, calling for the restoration of that provision in the law as it's moving through the process. For other individuals, I think the most valuable thing would be contacting your own member of Congress or congressional leadership in the House of Representatives right now. The hope is that this bill, if it does pass, would then move to the Senate for consideration. There's no timetable for that. So that would be the next place to raise the issue is with senators 
uh, those who are serving on the relevant committees, but also um, just your own senator. I think that's usually the most most valuable thing for ordinary citizens to do is to contact your own representatives and senators. So I would encourage people, if you share that view, that that's an important dimension of federal work study to raise your voice about it. There's a lot of other things in the higher education reauthorization that you might want to be paying attention to as well, but that's one that really directly affects those of us who believe that campuses and students ought to be engaged with communities as part of uh, the college experience. Absolutely, a really important program on campuses. Yeah, that's that's exciting to support. I know we've, <clears throat> which so related to the topic of today's podcast, we, a fair number of our member campuses combine work study with our AmeriCorps program so that students get both the the pay of work study and the education award from AmeriCorps, and that's been really helpful. All right. Should we get into the topic of today's interviews? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. What are we talking about? Well, so today is a little bit unique in that we did not just do one interview. We did three. Um, wanted to focus a little bit on our national service programs. Um, I was able to pull together a fair amount of information and, you know, National Service and Campus Compact have a very long partnership. I know here in Iowa, um, we had a VISTA program before we actually existed. (laughs) I was just at a campus this week and they had uh, unearthed a report that one of our VISTA members wrote wrote in 2002 about service learning at their campus. And obviously it's had lots of evolutions and twists and turns and there are many different um, ways that we leverage national service to impact campuses and communities and members' lives. Um, right now, we have about 700 members serving across the country in 24 states, um, and they are at about 400 different sites. So across our campus are, compact network. Yeah, across our entire Campus Compact Network. So those sites include colleges and universities that are our members, but also include um, community partner organizations working in a variety of areas that are partners uh, for our sites. And I know I've seen personally, I served in AmeriCorps VISTA on a campus myself back in 2002 and 2003. I was at Our Lady of the Lake University in San Antonio, Texas, and helped establish um their uh, Office of Service Learning and Volunteerism, which I I think is a different name now, but continues to this day getting students out into that community, which was um, a wonderful but very challenging experience. That's one of the things, you know, I get usually to talk to our AmeriCorps members as they start every year. And I always tell them that it was one of the toughest years of my life, truthfully, um, in a lot of ways, but also one of the most rewarding um, and and impactful for me. So I, you know, I know from experience that these members do a lot of great work with capacity building and direct service um, that lasts for years with, with our campuses and other organizations. But I also know that the impact of that year or more or whatever the term of services lasts for a long time with those members. So I wanted to talk to a few of our alumni and see in reflecting on their service, what they learned and how it impacted them and, and what they're doing now and how that, uh, that service has impacted that. So I was able to talk to um, three folks who are in different roles now to give us a, a different sense of where our national service alums end up. Um, I interviewed Wendy Jeske, who was an AmeriCorps VISTA member through Montana Campus Compact in 2009 and through 2011 with Flathead Valley Community College. She has then worked for Flathead Valley Community College ever since um, and is now the student engagement coordinator. And her experience was a little bit different, as you'll hear. She um, served her term a little bit later in life than some of our members. So she had some unique reflections on that. Um, 
I was also able to interview Carly Asiello. She was actually the first VISTA to serve with Massachusetts Campus Compact um, when it was founded way back in 1997. So uh, after her term, she actually worked for Massachusetts Campus Compact for 10 years, but is now the Senior Vice President of Community Impact for the United Way of Massachusetts Bay and Merrimack Valley. She's been at the United Way for 12 years in a variety of positions, but is now Senior Vice President. And then finally, um, I got to also interview one of the alums of our programs in Iowa. Um, Giovanni Almanza Olag was our VISTA member through at Loris College in Dubuque first um, in 2015 and 2016. He did Fulbright in Brazil, and then he came back and worked with us as a VISTA leader for two terms. He has since moved back to Chicago and is working for the Social Security Administration. And he talks some about how... Um, service impacted him, including uh, how he benefited from the um, non-compete status that you get with federal jobs as a result of national service and how that helped him with where he is now. So let's go to those interviews. Okay, first up, my interview with Wendy Jeske, who served as a VISTA member with Montana Campus Compact. So, Wendy, welcome to the Compact Nation podcast. Tell me when and where you did your national service experience. You bet. Um, so, I served for two years as a campus core team leader here at Flathead Valley Community College. Okay, fantastic. That's great. Um, so, why did you choose to do national service? Well, it is something that I... Um, just had a passion for it's something um that i did with started with my children and started volunteering in several different roles in the community and okay then um started that was recruited here at fecc to take an americorps role so so a lot of the members who serve in our programs are sort of just right out of college that kind of thing and your situation was a little bit different um did you feel that made the experience different for you or what was, what was it like to kind of do national service at a different stage of life? Um, I think it was really valuable. You know, it actually, you know, it's one of those things where, um, do you know how you always say that you don't really know what you want to do when you grow up? And that's <laughs> kind of the case for me. Um, I still feel like that too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so for me, I think it was really valuable, um, even though, you know, I was already the mother of four children and had worked in and out of the workforce and stayed at home as a stay-at-home mom, um, coming into an AmeriCorps position kind of just opened a big door for me um, to service. It really helped me focus in on what I really enjoyed and a passion that I had for serving and making a difference in the lives of others. So. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of, it was a great opportunity to just give back to my community and also discover myself. Oh, that's awesome. So what impact would you say those two years of service had on you? Um, a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, we had several trainings and stuff like that to kind of get to understand what AmeriCorps was all about. You know, and that was kind of, you know, it can be a little bit confusing at first, but um very interesting, learned about what AmeriCorps was all about and um, just the trainings that we went through, um, you know, learning about our community and how we could become a better leader and, you know, just different ways that we can make a difference in the lives of others. And, and so, I mean, it really attached meaning, you know, we went through a lot of reflections and stuff mm. like that. And which I think is really key to any type of service. You know, it's not just about doing, it's about sitting and thinking about what you're doing and yeah. um, attaching that meaning. So I think, that was probably one of the biggest takeaways that I had from my my, my term as an AmeriCorps member. Um, and then also, I think, you know, I worked with eight college students. Um, they each had a project of their own. They were all AmeriCorps members as well. Oh, okay. And I think just going through that training and helping guide them to become better leaders and uh, become more engaged in their community was huge for me as well. Oh, that's wonderful. So that kind of leads into what impact do you think you had in those two years? on your site, on others, on the community? 
You know, I think it had a big impact for the college um, because we could grow our community partners and um, the nonprofit agencies and the schools that we serve here in the Flathead Valley. So I think we impacted that. We uh, started a, a tutoring program at Russell Elementary School. So it was a great avenue for our students to go there and tutor um, students in need um, from low-income families. Um, so it just um, we had a recycling program and Habitat for Humanity. We had lots of different programs going. And um, so I think we made a huge difference um, in the community, but also I think in the lives of the students that served as AmeriCorps members, as team members. Um, several of them I stay in contact with today. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. And awesome. a lot of them are serving and still giving back to the community. So I think it made an impact in their lives as well and their educational process. That's great. So is there one um, story or memory that stands out from that time as, as kind of like your best example of what the experience was for you? Um, gosh, um, there's so many stories. I know, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I guess... Well, that's a difficult one. I guess I think of a couple of things. Um, you know, one of the things that I was asked to do as a team leader um, to do with the team was to host um, a Seussville University here on our campus, where we invite um, about 200 um, third grade students here on campus to learn about the importance of reading and literature. And um, also we incorporate art and math and music and the importance of learning. And it's a huge effort to have that many students here on campus yeah. and all of the team lead, all the team members um, pitched in and helped out and we even had some Montana campus core members um, I mean employees up here to help out and it was really a huge success and um, so it was a, a, a perfect example of teamwork if you will and so then we were asked later on in the year to present on what we did and how we put it together and the different components of putting an event like that together and serving our community. And then we uh, saw other schools here in Montana actually uh, replicate that and duplicate that and take oh, wow. that information that we used and be able to put something like that together on their own campus. So to me, that was a, a big achievement and something that, you know, is very worthy and helpful yeah. to the other schools as well. So. Yeah. Um, so what are you doing now? So currently, I am the student engagement coordinator here at Flathead Valley Community College. Um, from my AmeriCorps term, I got a part-time job here and then kind of moved into the service learning coordinator position as well as the student engagement position. So I currently coordinate all of the community involvement programming that we have here on our campus. So um, service learning, volunteering, Mm -hmm. um, alternative service breaks, as well as um, uh, our service Saturday program. So, and then I'm also an AmeriCorps liaison for the Montana Campus Compact. Oh, great. Okay. So yeah. what, in what ways do you use kind of what you learned from your years of national service in your current role, would you say? Well, um, what we do is we try to really educate our faculty on um, the important components of service learning and what it's like to incorporate service into learning. So, you know, making sure that the students are serving in a capacity where there's learning outcomes and that they're, they're um, learning as they're serving and there's certain learning outcomes that, that they're meeting that criteria for. So it's uh, especially important to have a, a location where they can volunteer and, and learn and grow and then also incorporating, you know, that service, but then also having a reflection piece where those students actually are reflecting on their service and attaching that meaning to it. So whether it's, you know, keeping a journal or writing a paper or doing a classroom presentation, mm -hmm. but in some way that they're reflecting on their service. And then, you know, with all of that and all the different um, service components that we have here on campus, um, just encouraging those students to be more civically engaged in their community as they mm -hmm. go forward. So. That's fantastic. Yeah. So what would you say to someone considering signing up for a year of national service? Um, 
Gosh. Um, <laughs> I mean, like so many things. I currently have an AmeriCorps Vista that's serving here with me right now. So um, I think it's an opportunity of a lifetime. And I think it can be very, very life changing. Um, you know, if you're open to the challenge and um, new experiences and learning new things, I think it's a great opportunity. And, you know, take that opportunity while you can. Next, we'll talk to Carly Asiello, the first VISTA member to serve with Massachusetts Campus Compact. Okay, so I'm going to start with just when and where did you do national service terms? So I was an AmeriCorps VISTA with Massachusetts Campus Compact in, I think it was the 96, 97 year. So I heard you were the first VISTA with Massachusetts Campus Compact. Is that accurate? That's true. Yeah, I was the first VISTA. It was myself and our executive director, Sharon Bassett, and we had one other person and a couple of work-study students. But um, yeah, it was before there were cores or anything like that. I was just the first, first person. So how did you hear about VISTA? What made you choose to do it? So I was in grad school at Syracuse University, and I was uh, doing one of my practicum in the service learning office at Syracuse. And I think through there, I, it came across our network. And I had looked at it and thought it seemed really intriguing. I, honestly, I'm from upstate New York, but I've always wanted to move to Boston. And I saw that it was going to be placed at Tufts and thought it was a really interesting way for me to explore service learning more and go to a city I was really interested in. So I applied not knowing really anything about Campus Compact or anything about AmeriCorps or VISTA. So what did your year focus on? What were some of your biggest priorities or tasks? So my, the initial position, and I did do this throughout the year, was to create a statewide student network of college and university students from the two-year and four-year schools across the, across the, the state uh, to really lift up the voice of service learning and civic engagement. So that was my initial project. And then kind of fairly quickly as I got into the role, Sharon and I started talking about what were the challenges to doing that. So, we, you know, I was all the way in Boston, I had to go, you know, across the state. And we quickly kind of thought about what if there were more of me and we were spread out along the, the, all the different colleges or at least a bunch of them. So we could really kind of organize as a group. And so then quickly, although I was still working on the student network organizing, um, it quickly became let's think about how we create a core and uh, get that off the ground. And then at the same time, we had uh, funding from the Corporation for National Community Service. We had some learn and serve grant funding. And we also had state funding that focused on, uh, it was civic engagement funding. So it was grants to colleges to do youth mentoring programs and uh, after school tutoring programs. And I ended up um, kind of being the grants manager for those projects as well. So my job pretty quickly, you know, ebbed and flowed and changed. And great. That sounds really interesting. And, um, and I think is often how it goes, right? Once you get in there and kind of figure out what's really needed. Is there one or two significant memories that stand out from that year of things you're particularly proud of or maybe things that didn't go well and you learned a lot from? Um, there's a couple of things that stand out to me. A lot of it is around creating that core. So I specifically remember Sharon and I interviewing uh, the person who would become the VISTA leader, Karen Chisholm, who ended up being at Mass Campus Compact for quite a long time, and doing that interview and hearing her talk about, she was talking about her Peace Corps experience, and she was all the way out in Ohio, and she was really excited to come back, and she had this really big, uh, like, New England, Massachusetts accent, 
And it just sticks in my head that like, I had no idea who she was. I thought she was amazing. And then she became my complete partner in that work for 10 years. Uh, and it was all, you know, she didn't know anything about what Campus Compact or Vista was really either. Um, so that's, that's a big memory that stands out to me. And then I also think about the, when we first got all of our, we had started with 10 core members. And so when they all came together in the summer of my, so it was like halfway through my Vista year and, you know, seeing the results of all that planning and all these eager Vistas that were, you know, excited to embark on something that they, we, we were kind of building as it, as, as we were starting, um, that's another one that really sticks out to me. Interesting. So when you, um, when you think back to that year and then your, you know, your career and your life since, what impact do you think that, um, your service had on you? I mean, it's like had so much to do with it. Uh, You know, it solidified my, interest and focus on youth development and civic engagement, which I'm still doing to this day. So like, for instance, I think starting there, and then I look at something that I started here at United Way, I started a social entrepreneurship program for young people, which is very similar to something I did at Campus Compact. I, you know, the networks and the people that I met during my year, some of them are still some of my closest connections in, in Boston. Uh, which is, you know, completely incredible. So I have, you know, the woman I, I talk to all the time who runs a, a big college to career life readiness work in Boston was the program officer for for uh, Massachusetts Service Alliance when when I was in when, when I was at Vista. We're still really close. We talk every day. Um, I think personally, I got my two best friends out of it. So two of the uh, people that became Vistas are still my closest friends in the world. Um, And I just think my whole outlook in terms of organizing and thinking about um, how you can build coalition and community uh, when people aren't necessarily close together, uh, it's given me a lot of, you know, I, I feel like I know how to do that now. So I can bring a lot of people together across distance, across interest areas. Um, I think those skills were just so important. Um, and then probably finally, I remember during my Vista year, I went to uh, an extra training on facilitative leadership and learning how to do markers. And the big joke is that like my slip charts are really beautiful now, you know, and I definitely <laughs> my, my Vista year. Flip chart skills are very necessary in the nonprofit world. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, So a lot of relationships that have continued and other skills. What impact do you think you had? Well, I mean, I definitely think that myself and, and Sharon, it wasn't just me, I mean, I look back and I think, oh my goodness, like we created a movement like this our idea and our concept and, you know, my ability to kind of help Sharon kind of make this, uh, what she was thinking about a reality has rippled over the whole country. I mean, when I talk to just the campus compact vistas from Massachusetts, it's a huge number. And then I think about it across the whole country. It's unbelievable to me where it's gone. And it started with such a simple idea. I'm so incredibly proud of that. Um, it's, it's crazy to think that that's happened. Yeah, that's really exciting. and quite a legacy. Um, what would you say to, uh, a young person or really someone any age who's thinking about a year of national service, but not sure if the sacrifice will be worth it? Well, I definitely think it's worth it. I, you know, what I it's at United Way, we run a core, we have an AmeriCorps uh, program, not VISTA, but AmeriCorps members. And so I talk to them a lot too about this. And, you know, I always say that, you know, number one, like doing it, if you think you're going to go into nonprofit or philanthropy or organizing, having the privilege to be able to spend a year in service is incredibly important. It definitely has grounded everything about me because I I always have that in my, you know, knowing that I did that and I made that commitment, but that it's really hard. You know, it's, it's hard to, to make not a lot of money 
to, um, you know, really think about how you're going to do that. But the opportunities that you get out of it, pay it back so, so much more. I mean, I feel like, and I see this with our members now, they, you're just able to do so much more than you would probably be, you know, granted the opportunity to had you just like come in at an entry level position. You know, the fact that you might be speaking in front of a hundred people or writing a giant grant or, you know, trying to fundraise or build a program or do evaluation. Like you just get so much more leadership out of that one year and it can really launch your career. Anything else you'd want to add? Anything um, I didn't ask you about that you think it's so important to share as we talk about national service and its role in our work and in preparing people for careers in their lives? Um, you know, I would definitely say that as people are considering it, I, you know, I really do wish that it was, you know, more people would jump at the chance because I think when I look at the skills that I think people need in order to make true change in community, so much of that is embedded and you get to refine it during a year of national service. And it just plugs you into a network of people who are like-minded and the ability to just say, yeah, we need to make some change. I think when we look at the needs around diversity, equity, inclusion in companies and, and organizations, the needs for different types of leadership, that can really grow out of VISTA um, in AmeriCorps in general. And, uh, you know, I think people should really consider it, give it a chance uh, because um, it's incredibly important. Thank you so much for your service and for your time today. <laughs> and finally, Giovanni Almanza Log, who served as a VISTA member and VISTA leader with Iowa Campus Compact. So let's get to some questions. So first, just uh, share for our listeners when and where you served in Vista or, and AmeriCorps. I, for, I always forget. So when and where you did your national service? Because you have quite the track record. I do. Yeah. It all started, what is it? My fall semester of senior year, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's when I did, uh, was it state and national? Um, a 300 hour position at Loris or with Loris and you guys. And then Vista, I was also sort of pushed not pushed, um, <laughs> guided to, and I won't, I guess I, I, I say push, but I wasn't, it was kind of the push I needed in reality, uh, with the human rights department, the city of Dubuque human rights department in Dubuque. So I was still, um, familiar with the community to some extent, uh, but definitely different because I was outside of the college bubble, which was a huge wake up call for me. Oh, okay. We'll come back to that. Um, and then, You did. Oh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and after that, I did Vista Leader. Well, there was a break, and then I did Vista Leader uh, with Iowa Campus Compact. I mean, I know you haven't forgotten that part. I know I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, you you said you said you were pushed or encouraged, but ultimately, why did you decide to do national service, and and why why did you decide three times to do national service? What really drew you, drew you to it? So, speaking quite frankly, the first you know state national three hundred hour position, the scholarship was what made sense to me. I was like, oh, you know, I'm gonna need something to pay back loans or even go towards tuition while I was a senior. Afterwards, when I use the word push, um, I guess in reality, no, I know in reality, I just assumed I was gonna find a job. I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna graduate college, being first gen, I'm just gonna find a job. Life will be perfect, um, happily ever after. <laughs> and by far was I wrong. Like I had, you know, <laughs> applied places, you know, all over the Midwest, on the coasts, and nothing like that. And it just had happened that the position with the city of Dubuque Human Rights opened up as a, a VISTA, and the city government already had called my interest. I actually went into college saying, I'm going to be the mayor of Chicago. So city government has called my interest for a very long time. 
And it was just like, okay, I'm going to do this for a year. I put my loans on hold for a whole year. There was a nice little scholarship at the end. And then though I didn't think about it at the prior to accepting, definitely when I was in there, I was like, oh, this non-competitive status mm. really appealing. And it sort of got, no, it helped me get the position I have now. Yeah, I, w- I will come back to that because I think it's a little known benefit that you have taken great advantage of. Um, so what impact would you say your national ex- service experiences had on you? So I will say that it gave me the power. It taught me how to get the power to get through the crappiest experiences. <laughs> <laughs> You're really selling it. <laughs> no, and I don't mean that in like, oh my goodness, I, my experiences were bad because they weren't. I will say the people I got to work with and under were amazing individuals with this uh, ideologies and their commitment to what the projects were. But I do think that, you know, this is not for someone who is of weak character or weak heart. Mm. You know, you need to have a strong character and heart to it because it's not easy. Emily, you served and we all know. Yeah. Now, during that time, at least when I started in 2014, it was like 11 grand a year. Clearly not enough to live, even if it was Dubuque, Iowa. Yeah. Um, So it was one of those things where I had to learn how to budget. I'd never necessarily budgeted in my life. You know, I made a decision of, am I going to pay my light bill this month or my gas bill? Like, what? Um, but it also gave me tools that of interacting with individuals that maybe I didn't interact with. So like I previously mentioned, I was in this bubble, right? Mm-hmm. Being a graduate from Loris, I had arrived into Dubuque and seen Dubuque as a student. And really, it was my time with AmeriCorps State National or Vista that I got to see that there's a lot more to Dubuque than like the $2 million homes that were on the bluffs. Mm. And maybe those were the people I was seeing because those were ones coming to class to speak to us, or they just happened to be at events that the institution was hosting. And so I wasn't seeing those other community members that lived there. And so, you know, that's one of the great things about my first year of VISTA was like, I got to see firsthand, though I didn't necessarily um, help them towards resources, but I got to see my colleague, other fellow VISTAs in that project, got to work with them and then sort of indirectly see it firsthand. Great. Well, what impact do you think you had in those years of service on others, on organizations, on communities? That's a hard question. (laughs) Um, Honestly, I hope for my VISTA term and the Salida term, I'll separate them. For my VISTA term, I hope I helped create that picture that the community needed, Mm -hmm. right? Who was receiving those resources? How were those resources being, um, um, well, yeah, how those resources were being um, delegated and or used among different agencies? Because I remember at the time it was like Operation New View and Project Concern and uh, Circles Initiative in Dubuque. And so I hope it helped paint the picture for the city like, hey, this is an amount of people that maybe haven't been looked at and or um, are being double counted, which, you know, inflated numbers, which is not clearly not a good thing. In regards to my VISTA leader time, I really hope I influence one VISTA at least. (laughs) (laughs) And not, if it's being pushed into becoming like a VISTA leader position, at least help them get through the year. Because again, I do say, I don't think it's, you know, it's for someone who's looking just to kind of coast by, because by no means is it easy. It's complex. Yeah. Yeah. You're trying, you're trying to, especially for a lot of, at least when I was a visitor, a lot tend to be, you know, freshly out of college. So there are, you know, trying to balance that line between social, I'm now a full really grown adult, <laughs> um, I kind of want to go out with my friends still and go have a beer, but I can't afford it necessarily. <laughs> I have to, you know, maintain a home to a certain extent. 
And so I help, you know, kind of guide them and give them tips and recommendations on what to do. And yeah. at least I know one for sure they become a Vista leader. So yes. I guess I kind of did help with that. Yes. Well, I, I think you focused on that a lot in your time. It really helped our Vista members through quite a bit. So is there, when you think about those terms, is there one particular memory um, that stands out as a particularly great memory or difficult one or just what comes to mind for you? Hmm. You know, honestly, going to my Vista leader part or time, for me, I always enjoyed the one-on-one conversations mm-hmm. because it wasn't my opportunity every month to, you know, speak to the members and maybe dive deep into what they were reporting back to us. Because I think at times reports can be seem very generic and bureaucratic and like, oh, why am I doing this? Okay, here's the number you're looking for. But sometimes it's nice to, you know, deep get that story on, well, why is this one person receiving financial literacy and how are you giving that or how are they receiving it? And so it's like, oh, again, sort of painting that picture at large. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's those. Also, there's always the times we get to go to campuses or uh, community agencies and actually seeing the impact. Yeah. And hearing the stories that maybe the member forgot, but the site supervisors were like, oh, here's this awesome story that's going on. Yeah. Fantastic. So thinking about yourself now, has it been two years? A year and a half. Year and a half. So you're a year and a half removed from your Vista Leader experience. And I'm interested in how you are using what you learned from those terms in your current role. So interestingly enough, I am still bounded by the Hatch Act. <laughs> as vocal as I'd <laughs> like to be on social media, uh, as I will say that's probably one of the greatest skills I learned while Vista in general was just like, hey, don't voice your, necessarily your opinion on something political during work hours. Right. And I know... At first, when I was a Vista, I didn't quite understand it. I was like, but why? Why does it matter? It's not like I'm associated to, I'm not a member. I don't belong to the city of Dubuque. I don't belong to Vista. I don't belong to Iowa Campus Compact. Why does it matter? And so I was trained for that. So now I could like, okay, I really can't do it. Um, But also, you know, sort of those, oh, goodness. It's so there's the office skills, right? Mm-hmm. And having been at two different offices, really, you know, the way human rights did their work, which could be a little bit more serious, more formal at times, to when Iowa Campus Compact, we were still getting our job done. We could be relaxed and more calming, right? And then you get where I'm at now with Social Security, and it's like, Oh, okay. You know, you know, there is that uh, office stereotypes like you really shouldn't take fish to work. <laughs> <laughs> and though, you know, I know I took like, and I know you must think this is such a silly story. But no, I, I love it. But it's, you know, when we would do our lunches together once a week, you know, we took whatever we cooked or whatever. Uh, shrimp was perfectly fine. And over here, it's like people will literally talk, tell you, please don't warm up your fish. And so it's just, that's a super bizarre <laughs> and <that> aspect to me. <laughs> and so office etiquette, yeah, which, you know, we probably don't take serious. I guess I personally don't want to take serious, but you have to learn it for the office culture, which yes. is drastically changing. Um, because, and I will say, um, maybe a lot of uh, the partners have more relaxed and I say, you know, IAC partners uh, for their members or for, you know, their VISTAs or AmeriCorps, where, you know, government hasn't reached that. You know, I remember the time I was, you know, got to indirectly assist with like the principal scholars and mm-hmm. in just organizing that trip. 
And we got to principal and like they had this super relaxed environment, right? With a huge chessboard and the beanbags <laughs> and whatnot. And then, you know, I come over here and it's like literally cubicles and gray walls. So, yeah. so, so drastic changes. Um, but skills that are good to learn. And I will say, you know, I kind of sort of had to learn them when I was in Vista or my AmeriCorps time. Yep. So, yeah, the, yeah, those are important, you know, skills that I think you were able to pick up and, and be able to do. So before we close, I think, you know, again, um, non-competitive status for federal jobs is uh, a perk of VISTA and one that I don't know if a lot of our members or partner organizations really understand. So if you might briefly plug how that worked and what that's meant for you in your current role, that would be great. Yeah. So that is probably the most amazing thing possible. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I say it's because here, so uh, when I got hired, there was 30 of us hired at the same time. 29 of them had to take a test. So like a civics exam. I was excluded from that test. Oh, and so why? Because I had that uh, non-competitive status tied to my name. Um, my application process was super different compared to everyone else's. So I found out because at the time, you know, Jancy had sent out an email to all the AmeriCorps directors across the state. Hey, if your members are interested, all I really did was send in a cover letter and my resume. And I interviewed over the phone and they called me back like six months later. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> the wait, the wait time doesn't change. That's one thing I'll say. Um, but you know, I didn't submit like an application to the USA jobs. I didn't have to do those initial steps that people from the community have to take. Um, once I got in, one of the and this is the great part was because I had years of service because they did count my AmeriCorps. Not my state national, but for sure my first VISTA term and my year and a half of VISTA leader, I was bumped up into the next vacation period. So instead of getting four hours every pay period, I get six. Oh. So it's one of those little perks that you're like, oh, cool. And on top of that, my uh, entrance date to the government starts like June 15, 2014. And so I am, and I keep joking about it, I'm vested for my pension. Wow, look at that. So like now, okay, I'll probably get like $20 if I were to retire right now, but I'm vested, right? It's $20. That's amazing. That's a really good, that's like the most comprehensive description I've heard of what that actually means and how it plays out. So Thank you. Yeah, totally, That's, because you know, you, you look at it online and not to bash on vistacampus.gov, it's an awesome website. But it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't give that sort of detail. And I didn't know what to expect. I knew it was like, oh, I knew the application process would be different, but it was super smooth for me. I also put the plug, I think a lot of people who think government think uh, office building gray walls is maybe I mentioned it earlier. Yeah. But there's a lot of agencies out there. Um, if you're looking into like uh, be out in the wildlife or the agricultural sector, it's like we have agencies out there um, pretty much for everyone, everyone's looking for and every major. Yep. That's true. Well, Gio, it's always good to talk to you. Oh, likewise, Emily. <laughs> we really, I really appreciate the time and of course your service to our organization um, and everything you do. And we're back to find out what's sparking joy with you guys these days. Mighty Soul, what you got? Hmm. Um... There are electric car chargers at the movie theater that we go to, and a very that's sparking some joy for me too. So oh, I like it's getting more popular. That's exciting. 
Yeah. Did you see a good movie while you were there? And, I haven't. And My sister that? went and she sent me pictures of it. So I think um, Diego and I are going to go this week and see uh, The Terminator. Oh, that's exciting. I'm, yes. I'm fairly certain Frozen 2 is on my agenda, so. I'm, yeah. <laughs> Not lying. But I did do a, um, we're, Diego and I are going through the Star Wars series, so we're starting. We, we did um, the first one on uh, Sunday when I was laid up in bed, and I think we're going to do another one tonight, so. Awesome. Yeah. So you, are you watching boy. The Mandalorian? Yes. Okay. So good. I haven't started yet. So good. Baby Yoda. Baby is, Yoda. That sparks joy. You know what? Scratch yeah, everything else. Like Baby, Baby Yoda, Yoda obviously. sparks a lot of joy. So good. Okay. For the awesome. whole world. Nice. <laughs> Andrew, what's going on? What's well, sparking joy for you? I, I just want to have a, a note about Marisol's spark, which is that I'm, I'm pleased to share the, um, the kind of sustainable transportation uh, niche in the Sparks Joy universe with Marisol. I feel like I, you know, I was, I always try to think of things because most things that spark joy in my life appear to have to do with transit. And I don't think that's always interesting <laughs> for everyone else, although infinitely so for me. So I'm glad to hear others getting in on the game. That's good. Uh, no, I have a very straightforward Sparks Joy, which is um, Giving Tuesday. You know, folks yeah. who chose to support us yesterday, which we appreciate immensely. Folks who, you know, I just saw lots of conversations happening online among people about things they care about, things, places where they're finding important work happening that they wanted to support, sharing that with other people. Like, I, I think there's a way in which Giving Tuesday, it's complicated because it's so cluttered out there. I got, you know, emails, et cetera, all day from different organizations. But I also think it is rare that we have conversations about where do we decide to contribute our resources and why? And where would we like to see our friends and neighbors and strangers join us? So I found that a really kind of cheering and uplifting thing happening in my world yesterday. So I, again, I thank everybody who chose Campus Compact oh, yeah. as a, a direction for that, but and all of our state and regional compacts that got support, but also um, just people thinking about how to make the world better and, and contributing some of what they have to do that. Well, yeah, yesterday was pretty much my dream day in that, uh, on social media at least, because it was like, uh, there was a runoff election in Des Moines. So my feed was like all people giving to causes or voting. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> can, it, can it be like this every day? <laughs> this is so much better than what it's usually like. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but what really sparked joy for me, um, well, with the Thanksgiving break, uh, we, uh, encountered an old game of life at a thrift store and bought it and I played it with my kids and it was really interesting because and relevant to our work I'll get there because at the very beginning I don't know if you guys have played life recently or at all um, but at the very beginning you have to choose college the college path or straight to career path and um my son the first time we played and, and if you choose the college path you have to take out a hundred thousand dollars in loans and my son right. yep and my son the first time we went around he was like why well, don't i don't want to do that i'm going straight to career and then he ended up with a career that made him only thirty thousand dollars a year and later when you know my daughter and i got careers where we weighed more we got to have a nice conversation about what college results in and why it's worth the investment. So it's a very real example for my children to have through that game, which I thought was interesting because I didn't remember that being um, part of like it. such a prominent choice. And they've also added a, a part of the game where you can choose to go back to college, which he did choose when we got to that part. So, <laughs> but then he became a teacher and didn't end up actually making that much more money. So, <laughs> I did my brother's article. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, it's not yes. all about money. And if you choose a career where you serve other people, yeah, exactly. You yeah, will be in my, debt the rest of your life, but you'll feel much better about yourself. <laughs> my brothers and their wives are all teachers, so I was I they they enjoyed that story and felt like it was very close to reality. Oh, yeah. So yeah. So that's just playing games and learning life lessons. That's all it is, really. That's the whole thing. 
Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you to all of our currently serving national service members and alumni. Our work only happens um, through the power of your service and sacrifice and time and energy and ideas. And we are forever grateful for everyone who chooses to um, give us a year or more or um, several hours, at least, of of their lives in that way. Um, So thank you for that. And as always, if you would like to share your ideas with us for future topics or interviews, you can find us at podcast at compact.org or on social media, hashtag compact nation pod. If you're listening to us through a fancy app on your phone, there are options to rate us and review us and tell your friends that you're learning awesome things from our podcast. So please um, take a minute to do that. And don't forget that even though it's past giving Tuesday, you can always give and the compact nation appreciates anything you have to give towards the education of students for our democracy. Thanks, y'all. Thanks. Bye. Compact Nation podcast comes to you from Campus Compact's national headquarters in the Leather District of Boston, Massachusetts. Our hosts are Marisol Morales, Emily Shields, and me, Andrew Seligson. Our producer is Molly Altiorem Leeper. Music is by Andrew Savage. You can find more of his music at andrewsavage.net. As always, you can find us online at compact.org slash podcast or on social media at hashtag compactnationpod. Thanks for listening. I am the podcat. Ha <laughs> ha.